Hello and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project Manager podcast for Sunday the 29th of November. This week we've got a wonderful uh, Ricardo Vargas making a return, uh, talking to us about his um, his career uh, and, and his background rather than specifically about Brightline which we had him on last time. So hopefully you're going to enjoy that but uh, just on with the news. So this uh, past few weeks has been a bit crazy uh, in the office. Um, I had started uh, the NaNoWriMo thing, it was something I was going to do this month, which I talked about last year, where, for those who don't know, it's a um, initiative and, and a sort of a, a community that tries to encourage each other when writing novels, National Novel Writing Month, uh, I think it started off in the States. Uh, which I had a go at last year, and it went really well. Um, the aim is to write 50,000 words in the month um, of a novel, which gives you a good um, backbreaker on it. And at the beginning of the month, I just started off on mine, all guns blazing, and then everything went crazy. Uh, unfortunately, I've just not had the emotional energy to uh, stick with it. So it's a bit of a shame. I've got to find the time to do that, because I'm... Um, kind of halfway through the story and I want to finish it and get it out there and you guys may like it may not it's it is related to a sort of um, business industry type novel um, but also as typical with me I had another couple of things bubbling along as well and uh, I think I mentioned my um, productivity project managers book that I'm uh, uh, a little tips for the year I was going to try and get that nailed by the end of the month again that has just not been um been possible I have been editing it now I've, I've written the, the basic uh first draft I've been going through the edit and experiencing the pain of, of reading my own words when I've been I've dictated them and dictated them poorly or written them poorly so that's quite uh, uh a bit behind although some of you may have seen on LinkedIn, I've got a cover, um, and I think I've got, so I'm, I'm going to be going with that, title, cover, sorted, um, just the content to do, just the easy bit, but I don't think I'm going to get it ready for, uh, well, the end of November was my initial target, and, and I, I think it's going to be early next year before I uh, launch that one, because I want to make sure it's it's worthwhile. Um uh, and there's not a lot on it that's too contemporary, though some of it is like remote working. But uh, I'll let you know what I'm doing on that. And um, hopefully, once I've got a bit of um, confidence in getting it finished, I'll put it up on pre-order and, and let you guys know. If there is any of you out there who would like to be um, an, an advanced reader, uh, just to give me uh, input and, and feedback, uh, please ping me, me an email at info at nigelcreaser.com and uh, I'll uh, add you to my list. Uh, talking of books, I have, uh, obviously it's coming up to Christmas, you'll all be buying gifts for people struggling to decide. If you have a project team or a project manager in your um, uh, uh, present list or your secret Santa, um, you couldn't go much wrong with getting a copy of 
uh, project management the sketches 4.99 at the moment and the perfect secret santa gift in my opinion um that's enough plugging uh let's uh, i think everything else um i haven't got any other announcements that i've got on there i've had some good interviews uh, i've got some good interviews coming up um and so the be- so beginning of this year of next year um we'll have some great stuff out there uh and uh hopefully through into the new year as ever if anyone wants to uh, be on the show or sponsor the show or anything like that please give me a shout info at nigelcreaser.com and uh, we'll have a discussion anyway um, I'll let you get on and listen to Ricardo oh and at the end of this uh, I keep remembering things at the end of this I have included a little clip of um, a song that myself and my girls released last year um, uh, the 12 days of projects it's a little bit of a giggle the elf edit Um, you can stream it on all the usual streaming channels, so um, give it a poke, have a get laugh, and um, yeah, let me know what you think. On on with the interview. I'd like to welcome this week Ricardo Vargas to the Saturday brunch edition of the Sunday Lunch Project podcast. Uh, for over 20 years, Ricardo has been responsible for more than 80 major transformation projects in several countries in oil and gas, energy, infrastructure, telecoms, IT and finance industries, covering investment portfolios of over 20 billion US dollars. He's also a, an entrepreneur and a, a former chair of PMI, and he's currently director of the PMI's Brightline initiative, um, which together with leading global organizations, is dedicated to helping executives bridge the expensive and unproductive gap between strategy design and delivery. So today we're going to talk to Ricardo about Brightline and uh, what's it all about. So welcome to the show, Ricardo. Hello, Nigel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to have the chance to explain a little bit more about what Brightline is about and what is the aim of the Project Management Institute on having developed and created Brightline. Brilliant. Brilliant. So let's I, I kind of started kicking it off there with that little uh, uh, the intro there. So what what what's your aside from what's on the website? Obviously, what is your what do they call it? Uh, elevator pitch? Um, about what Brightline is, if someone says, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that's perfect. Then, uh, Brightline uh, aims to target on a C-level audience around the need for having, um, I would say, a set of capabilities to transform ideas into results. So what we notice if we go back uh, through the years is that there is a, a very strong passionate and competent uh, group of people on the practitioner level. But if you go up to the higher levels in the organizations, what we can see is that um, most of the C-level executives, they don't connect uh, ideas uh, to the execution of that ideas. So they think that ideas uh, just uh, become reality by themselves. And what is the aim of Brightline is to increase awareness, creating networking capabilities, and helping 
to make uh, the awareness among C-level and senior level executives, I would say one level below the CEO or senior vice president, about what it takes to get things done. So this is exactly why Brightline was created. Okay, cool. So so that's kind of taking that, because it's quite a bold statement that most people... Most of those seen it because obviously you've got these guys who will be guys and girls will be running amazingly big organizations and there's obviously lots of change going on in those organizations so how do, how do you see that sort of um what what's the gap there is it is it the the accurate execution of those uh strategies and, and, and ideas or is it time to implement or what, what are the things that you're seeing in your sort of conversations you've been having with people that, that that's missing or what the uh, gap is uh, Absolutely. Uh, what is uh, what is important? Um, we we did uh, one of the tasks of Brightline between 2016, late 2016, when Brightline was developed, and in 2019, 2020, is that we did a lot of research trying to understand why some organizations succeed on getting things done and others just don't. So, w- which are the capabilities that some organizations demonstrate that? others don't and how we can share that. So we created a series of researches on that and all it's published at brightline.org. But just to summarize, uh, what we identify is that money is not the problem. Technology is not the problem. Most of the problem are on awareness and the human side, the people side. So uh, let me talk about the first one, awareness, is that most of the senior executives, uh, it's it's much nicer, uh, it's much more pleasant uh, and fun to work on the ideas than to transform them into reality. So it's very nice that, uh, uh, please let me use this just as a simple example, mm-hmm. that I go on the stage in a very nice conference talking about cars that will fly. Yeah. This is much more fun then really uh, transform a car uh, in order to become a flying car. Because it's a much more, reality is sometimes brutal. So what we see is that most of executives, they are compensated and they are rewarded in different ways by having uh, outstanding and brilliant ideas and not necessarily by their ability to transform that brilliant ideas into a brilliant execution. So this is the first thing. And then we started saying why we see uh, that happening. It's because uh, transforming things to reality is a far more complex endeavor. So you need to have a set of capabilities and competences in place to get things done. For example, Today, we, we, we discussed a lot in the past two years about self-driven cars, for example. And we noticed, this is one of our research, that the problem of getting self-driven cars uh, out in the road is not the technology. We, we have a, 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 a quite decent technology today. Hmm. I'm saying it's not perfect, but it, it's quite good. And it's not also lack of money because the companies behind this, they have uh, piles of cash. What I saw, is the I saw some... Saw something the other day where the, the is it the Tesla that um, in the UK they in, when we had some really bad storms there was a couple of them that uh, their active um, 
technology to protection technology avoided a, a serious accident with trees falling in the roads and things like that. So I think that technology, you're right, is coming along really, 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 really fast, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So this is not the center. But then you may ask me, uh, why uh, we still do not see cars or uh, self-driving cars on the street? And because there is a massive human and regulatory component that not many people are taking care. Because, for example, when you talk about self-driven cars, there is a whole ecosystem around drivers, mm. gas stations, roads, uh, tools, everything that will need to be reinvented with the self-driven cars. And most of these people, they see a self-driven car not necessarily as a progress, but much more as a challenge to their current status. And this drove us, uh, Nigel, to a second talk on, on our research that we did in 2008 that is called the People Manifesto, is that we identified that one of the key big roadblocks for organizations to transform themselves is this human factor, this behavior factor, because what we identify is that people act on their own best interest. So mm. when you lead a company, whatever the company is, and you say, we will do a massive change. We are moving from that business to that other business. The first thing people will think, your employees, is that what is in there for me? Is, it, is this good for me or it's not good? So there is no way people will buy a transformative idea if they do not understand what is good for them. And this was the underlining question that we saw why so massive transformations fail. Just to give you an idea, okay? Just to give you an idea, around 80% of all transformations globally fail. Oh, this is around a trillion US dollars in one year. And they do not fail just because they don't have money or lack of tech. No, they fail because people do not support the change. People say that they support the change. People, when you talk to them, but in reality, people do whatever they can to slow down the process, you know? And this is what we see uh, easily in most of the transformations we see today. Uh, uh, until we get people on board on that, we'll not be able to transform. So what we saw in successful transformations is that what they did, they combined two aspects. They combined the organizational transformation with what uh, Professor Ben Antabrizi from Stanford University that partnered with us say, a personal transformation. So how people can embrace the transformation as something that is good for the organization, but at the same time good for them. And this is the missing piece that we are working so heavily in the past year to, to, to understand and to translate. So this is what we are calling on Brightline, what we, we say, the uh, human-centric transformation. We, we released a transformation compass uh, in October last year, and we exactly covered that. We said that successful transformations, they really have uh, an 
a strong volunteer champions, people that really buy the transformation, that really want the transformation to happen, combine it with this inside-out transformation that what is the, the benefit for me as an individual uh, inside this organization? So uh, just to give you a, 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 a scary number, uh, Gallup last year said that 85% of the workforce globally is disengaged or actively disengaged. It means that for every 100 uh, employees, 85 are actively looking for a new job. So imagine uh, on the top of that, you are facing a major challenge or a major transformation. This become a very uh, relevant challenge. Yeah, of course, because obviously if you've got people who are looking to leave, then yeah, the, the, the organizational success is not something that's that's key to them anymore, is it? Absolutely, absolutely. Because going back to what I said in in in, in our research in 2018, people act on their own best interests, and I'm not saying that this is a negative thing. Even when you do a volunteer work, and I used to work five years for the United Nations. So I know what I'm talking about. Uh, even when you decide to, to, to do a volunteer work, you are working on your own best interest. You do volunteer work because you truly believe that this is something that makes you feel better, mm -hmm. that makes you feel more uh, accomplished, happy, whatever. So uh, if you disconnect that, and what we see today is that in several organizations, most of them incumbent organizations, they have a very weak change management process, very weak. So people get scared, they get afraid, they don't buy in the transformation and they don't, they don't move. And this is a responsibility of senior leadership to do that, to manage that. So, so you're talking about the, these kind of scenarios. How do you, how do you, how do you propose that you we change this? Because obviously it's something that and I, I always and I, I know that there's a lot of stats that come out around project failure. And I, mm -hmm. being a, a job in project manager for the last 20 years, it, mm -hmm. it kind of makes me think, well, what's the definition of failure? Because um, <laughs> is it is it that is it because a project stopped? It doesn't necessarily mean it was a failure. It may just mean that it wasn't needed anymore. Um, but we, on, on the basis that there are um, transformation projects, there's projects that don't achieve um, the goal they set out for and it's still valid and if it is because the um, staff of, the, of that organization are not bought into it what, what do you do what what do the senior executives uh, need to do yeah absolutely uh, in order to address that we created um, a, a set of 10 guiding principles we said that look um, if you want to stop this problem you need to understand 10 different aspects and you need to embrace these aspects. So let me, let me go through them very quickly here. The first one is uh, about acknowledgement. So you need to understand that the delivery is just as important as the idea or the design. You can never think that the idea, having the idea is more important than your ability uh, uh, to deliver on that idea. And I'm talking for, for executives. The second one is about accountability, is that 
if you design something, you need to be accountable for delivering it. It's not just your role does not finish just by having the idea and put the idea out in a piece of paper. So you need to understand that you are accountable for delivering that, okay? Uh, number three, you need to make sure that you have dedicate and mobilize it the right resources. And when I say right resource, I'm not talking only about people, but do you have the right technical capability to do that? Because sometimes you have an idea, but you have no capability of doing that. So you cannot even mobilize because you don't have that capability. So in order to execute, you need to have uh, and to make sure that you have the right resources and capabilities to do that. The number four uh, is about insights on customers and competitors. Uh, most of the time, you just said, Nico, in a brilliant way, sometimes uh, uh, we get uh, so passionate about our initiatives or our projects that we start not looking to what is happening outside. You know, we, we hmm. go, yeah. I would say, uh, under, uh, inside the project, and we don't know. And sometimes when we come up with the product of the project, people people don't buy it anymore. Yeah. You know, people don't, yeah. don't get it. Let, let me, I love to tell you an example, and I want to share this. It happened with my daughter, my youngest daughter. Uh, when she became 13, uh, uh, my second daughter. Uh, I did the same for my first daughter, but I, I would say one or two days before uh, she 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 uh, became 13, I told her, uh, he, her name is Gabriela. I said, Gabriela, in two days, I will open you a Facebook account. And this was three years ago. Mm -hmm. Do you know what she said to me? She said, dad, Facebook is something for old people. <laughs> you know, and, and I said, wow. You know, a couple of years ago, Facebook was an empire, you yeah. know, that controls everything. Look, look right now how the behavior of people are changing. So yeah, it's uh, it's, that's like fashion, isn't it? It's kind of a, you, yes. you, you don't wear what your parents were wearing. You wear what your grandparents were wearing, don't you? When they, yeah, uh, when the clothing comes back around and it's the same on that. If you if your parents are on it at the moment, you don't want to be on it. Yeah, absolutely. So you need to understand what is going on. So this is the fourth advice because many companies, they don't get what is going on. For example, we, we have now the coronavirus, for example. Mm. So uh, this is one key thing because this is becoming an extremely impactful thing. Uh, so I'm right now in France, in Paris. People are very concerned. Just to give you an idea, PMI put a travel ban of 45 days, so nobody can travel outside their own countries, including volunteers and this. So I'm just saying, I know PMI for 24 years. It's the first time I see that. So this is lever because maybe next week, we can talk here and I go in a very different way about coronavirus. Maybe we will say it's nothing, it's over, or maybe we'll say, oh my God, it's everywhere. You know, we, we don't know yet where it will go. So uh, number five, just to, to, to go uh, quickly here, it's to keep focus and think as simple as you can. So most of the successful uh, uh, initiatives, uh, people were bold and simple. They try it not to make things complex. Number six, 
team engagement. So it's to remove the silos because most of the time the instinct of self-protection makes a part of the organization to become siloed. So they try to say, look, let's protect ourselves regardless of the damage we can create to the organization. It's an instinct of self-preservation. So how you can promote team engagement, so how you can break the silos in a positive way. Because if you let the silos come, they will do whatever they can to stop the transformation. Number seven, bias toward decision-making. So it means that one of the weakest points that we saw in several organizations is when they are slow on making decisions. You must be bold and own the decisions you make. So great organizations, they decide on things. They don't say, oh, let's wait, let's wait, and then it's over. Uh, number eight, they all, uh, also know what is their capability. So they check ongoing initiatives before committing to new ones. Uh, what is the problem we saw in several organizations? They always say, let's take the last trend, the latest trend, the latest trend, you know, and they are excellent on starting things, but awful on getting things done. So they start 20 things and they do not conclude anything. Sounds like a good description of me, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is. And, and number nine, you should develop a robust and nice plan, but allow for missteps. You should fail fast to learn fast. So it's something that if you see that you are on the wrong way, fail fast, move fast. So sometimes, I love to say that, the first thing you should do when you are in a hole is stop digging. You know, mm. you need to do that because sometimes you get so passionate about your project that you continue and you just make things worse. And 10th, that is very related uh, uh, with uh, people, is celebrate success. It's very important because remember that the biggest component is the human factor and people are under a massive pressure. So how you can create a culture of celebrating success, you know, of recognizing people for their work. And I'm not saying recognizing just with a good salary, okay? Uh, we can see today that most of the leading companies, people are not working for them just for money. So I can tell you, uh, Nago, my daughter, she studies uh, in London at the Imperial College, uh, my daughter, and, and of course she's looking for a job and she uh, she's on the third year, she's looking. But she said, look, I want to, to have a good salary, but mostly I want to work in something that makes me happy. That's something that I enjoy doing. So I'm not uh, uh, happy to trade this happiness just for a better salary, just for that. I'm, I'm just saying that this is a very key movement when you see and you compare, for example, leading companies with uh, some traditional companies that are struggling, is that there is a culture of rewarding happiness uh, fulfillment, enjoyment. So if you take the case, I, I would say Netflix, if you take the case of Google, they are companies where most of their employees have an extremely high uh, uh, um, happiness rate. 
mm. okay, among their competitors. So, and this is something that brings a lot of value for the transformation. Right. So this, I wanted just to, to give you this. So what we believe is that if uh, the C-level executives, if they know these 10 principles and they can apply these principles with uh, their minds and their hearts, uh, they can be far more successful. Most of the time, the problems come by not fulfilling one of them or several of them. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So kind of like to pull out on, on number two, actually, is, is one that it's a, and I don't know if it's my um, uh, just assumption on this, but I, I look at a lot of, it's probably in the IT companies I see, it, and I, I look back over time where you look at um, uh, Bill, Bill Gates and um, I can't remember the name of the other guy that was uh, set up, Microsoft, and uh, Steve Jobs and is it Steve Wozniak uh, mm -hmm. and uh, um, Larry Ellison and had the guy at Oracle. There was there's always a kind of a a, a two he two headed where you have the the idea inspirational um, ideas person who who does the they come up with that strategy delivery that fantastic idea and then the, there always seemed to be someone there who's who's who's, who's kind of in the background in quotes that. Um, takes that and turns it into reality and it does the operational bit and, and oh, that's what it appears to me whether that's probably doing a disservice to the guys who come up with the ideas a little bit but it, it feels like you have this ideas process at that that sea level and you need someone to come up with the ideas constantly come and come up with in some cases silly ideas for the other person to be able to sit there and go right okay practically doing that Right, we can do that. This is the resources. What we have, we got these resources. Right, does it fit with our customers and competitors? Maybe, and 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 kind of do all that that realism check on behalf of that CEO. So, does that is that something you you've seen that you've got those those um, partnerships at those senior levels where you have got that CEO and the COO being that typical um, uh, uh, partnership? Yeah. Uh, first, uh, Nigel, this is a great question. Most of the ultra successful uh, business people, they are surrounded by brilliant people. So it's very unusual to have a brilliant uh, mind surrounded by those who are not as brilliant as they are. Yeah, yeah. But a, a second point I want to mention, uh, using the example of Microsoft, the example of Larry Ellison, of Oracle, the example of Apple, uh, all the three we mentioned, were brilliant on the idea, mm. but they were absolutely outstanding on the execution. So Steve Jobs, if you read his bio, he was a paranoid about execution. So many times he shifted the project because of this. So he was the one that was sitting in front of the people, designing the new iPhone, designing the new solution, in a very active way to get that done. And this is why uh, these companies were extremely successful. I'm not saying that they did that forever, but on the turning point, when, when for example, Steve Jobs came back for Apple, or when Bill Gates developed Windows 95 in the big boom uh, of these organizations, they were leading absolutely uh, the execution 
we've surrounded by brilliant people. When we say about accountability on, uh, on guiding principle number two, we are not saying that you are alone, but you need to accept that responsibility. And you need to be surrounded and building a team that is able together with you to deliver that. You know, sometimes uh, we, we build an organization with a set of dreamers that are not able to execute. For example, on Brightline, this is a clear example. For example, I am setting the strategy of Brightline, setting the ideas, but I oversight and I feel completely accountable for the execution of the work we need to do. And I have people on my team that is able to dedicate 100% of the time to get the job done. So hopefully you enjoyed that interview with Ricardo. And uh, the part two is coming next week. Uh, so uh, hang on for that one. It's uh, it's great. Um, thank you for listening. All it leaves me to say is my usual thing is if you uh, enjoyed the show, um, please tell your friends, tell your colleagues. Um, hail and shout on social media for me. Um, if you'd like to support the show, uh, there's a number of ways to do it. As I mentioned earlier, um, my book is um, is available, um, or books, should I say, uh, Amazon, a number of other independent bookstores as well. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you if you pitched along digital versions of it as well. So, and uh, yeah, so, so run along, get one of those. Um, Spotify, uh, Spotify streaming of uh, the song that you'll hear in a minute that'll give us a little bit of support as well um, if you have read any of the books or you would like to give feedback on the podcast as well giving us a rating on whatever you're listening to or whatever you read on that would be really good helps other people discover it but uh, most importantly if you uh, come back next week um, that'd be brilliant so uh, I'll leave you with a little 12 days of project elf edit on the fifth day of the project my sponsor gave to me four calling clients three full sprints two backlog items and a fictional benefits case on the sixth day of the project, my sponsor gave to me six scopes of creeping. Four calling clients, three full sprints, two backlog items, and a fictional benefits case. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye. <laughs>